Hey, it's Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories, a bonus episode. My name is Brian. Hey, guys. It's Murdoch. Uh, we, we're joining you this week. We, we've lost a couple people, um, um, you know, a, a kind of more of a person by, by virtue of birth. They're almost a celebrity and a, a rock god that is going to be astronomical to discuss. Let's start. Let's start with the second one. Let's start with Jeff Beck. Uh, yeah. Rest in peace, Jeff Beck. Winner of let's just run the accolades real quickly. I don't know if you know any of these off the top of your head. Eight Grammy Awards. He's he has the distinction of being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame not once but twice. Where do you think he ranks on the Rolling Stone magazine list of the 100 greatest guitarists? If you had to screw guess, the, screw those buttholes. You saw those Celine Dion fans like protesting <laughs> outside their office. Who gives a shit what they think? Listen, man. Listen, uh, I, listen. I, 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 someone. I, I. These are not my words, but I, I've read about it, and, and it's amazing how some people are just like, listen. Um, this is Jimi Hendrix. Like he just, he wasn't a song and dance man and people didn't get it. Yeah. Like he covered Nessum Dorma on his emotion and commotion. He did an Italian aria on the same record where he did lilac wine. Oh like yeah. He did, like uh, just a, you know, um, and I, I heard someone say on a good night, he wasn't a great guitarist. Like on a good night, he was the best guitarist in the world. Like no matter, no matter what. And it, and it really never shined through because he never was a, a person that was into that celebrity. Yeah. Um, but also, and, and this is other than saying like, this is a guy that didn't die that, you know, that could have died off in a, as a guitar player in the sixties. Um, you know, if he hadn't left his job, like Jimmy page would have never got that band together. I'm just saying, man. And that's it. Period. 100%. If Jeff Beck didn't like split, like they witnessed, they wouldn't have. They even played a gig as the new the New Yardbirds before they changed their name. Well, so do you know the story about how they there was this recording that Beck is on with Keith Moon is on drums and John Paul Jones plays bass. John Paul Jones and Jimmy Page are on it, and at one point they joke about calling it Led Zeppelin. That's where they got the name from. Was from was from that, that from session. like a jam session that they did with Jeff Beck. So yeah. it, it really all sort of comes from him. I mean, let, let's talk, though. I mean, we can talk about all these accolades. And by by the way, uh, forget Rolling Stone if you want, but they have them have him number five on their list of greatest guitar players of all time, which I would say it's, is where's, pretty where's universal. Chad, where's Chad Kroger? Is he number four? Do they have... Okay, he, lists are by... Publications are made to make people irate so people will click. Like, we we all yeah. understand that. But I think and we also agree... for clicks. That if yeah. we were... if we were Forget Rolling Stone. If we were going to make a short list, if you and I were going to say, who are the greatest guitar players of all time, off the top of our heads, we would say Jeff Beck within the top five, probably. Yeah, and if Eddie Van Halen were here, and you asked Eddie Van Halen, what is the most influential guitar players? He would say Jimi Hendrix and Jeff Beck. Okay, so that's interesting. He's influenced a lot of people, but I also think we could talk about who who he was influenced by, and it's got, you know, that list has some of the, the normal folks on it, right? Les Paul, Chet Atkins, Django Reinhardt, yeah. who we've talked about on the show, but yeah. uh, other people uh, came up when you talked to Jeff Beck about his guitar influences people like steve lee cropper from booker t and the mgs and do you know the name roy buchanan yeah yeah Yeah. so so roy buchanan is a fascinating pop cultural figure that people don't ever talk about he is literally considered like the guitarist guitarist most of the time yeah all right all right cool and and he popularized the telecaster i realize this is supposed to be about jeff beck and not about roy buchanan but i do think it's interesting 
He popularized oh. the Telecaster, and then he died in a jail cell, hanging from the jail cell. Oh, after a crazy te- wild night. Oh, how terrible! And dude, I I've had I love the Telecaster. Oh, I got a Stratocaster Jeff Beck story out of nowhere. Ready? Just crazy. Me. Yeah. Mitch, Mitch, Mitch Mitchell and his wife said that he used to come over the house and there's like a sunroom and he'd hang out over there with a Strat and he wouldn't have it plugged in and the cats would meow at him and he would play back at them. On the <laughs> like, yeah. like, like a call yeah. and response with the cats. Yes. Yes. That, yes. That I believe. I mean, that, that brings right. us to, you know, the fact that this guy is often credited for several rock and roll guitar mainstays. So, you know, feedback and distortion. That like it wasn't that people weren't doing that before Jeff Beck, but Jeff Beck really brought that to the forefront. He yeah. is the feedback and distortion guy. When you learned to play guitar, it was like your fantasy to stand in front of a stack of Marshalls and make it screech because that was always my fantasy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't care That's- about actually playing. I just wanted to be I just wanted that to happen. I did see I did see a video of him and man, I was trying to remember which year it was, like 66, 67. I don't know. It was in the 60s. And it's a an interview guy and he's and he's making Beck explain the pedals. You know, and he's oh, just yeah, got yeah. one that's just a volume and he's got a wah. So that's the other thing. Wah wah. I mean wah wah yeah. and whammy bar, both. Yeah. I mean, so all of these things that like when you are like a junior high guitar player trying to really affect rock and roll by just the way you hold the thing and like these are all the things that you think about or at least i I guess i only speak from personal experience all things i thought about and they all come from jeff beck i don't think he gets that credit i mean because a lot of times he gets soaked up by the people he was on stage with uh, the list of whom you've already mentioned right the guys in led zeppelin jimmy hendrix but jeff beck really does sort of help invent a lot of this but you know we haven't talked about the most brian and murdoch part of Jeff Beck's career. We we haven't even touched on it yet. And that's the time in 1992 that he almost joined Guns N' Roses. Oh my gosh, is this a thing? What? Well, okay. Where has this been? To, to say that where, he almost joined Guns N' Roses is maybe a bit of an overstatement. Where but, did he go? Wait, wait. This is what I want to know. Did he go to Disney World with Buckethead and, and Axel? <laughs> Wrong time period. Uh, so Listen, I, Jeff, Buckethead and I want to talk to you with a proposition. It is funny. I mean, I want to talk about that in a moment because he and Buckethead actually have some things in common, right? In terms of the virtuosic, uh, virtuoso type performances and how they position their careers around collaboration and not so much around yeah. the, they themselves. So I think that's sort but of an Buckethead interesting comparison. Is, yeah, Buckethead is, is collaboration. And, you know, it's like the thing that's interesting about Beck is that it's – it's it, sometimes it's going back and listening to it like in the last, you know, day and a half or so, it's like some of it's breathtakingly beautiful. You know, it's like, it's, it's kind of the opposite and this, that attack of what, of what, yeah, of what, of what Buckethead, Buckethead does. Right. Sure. Right. Right. And, but, but still he's, you know, he's, and he's a little bit less, less is more with the notes, even though it's like just enough. Like yeah. it's, there's something that's really like delicate and perfect about it. I but, don't know. It's, with, it's really hard Jeff, to explain. You'd literally see him, working with everyone from Ozzy Osbourne because he was on Ozzy's last record last year. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. But you, you, I mean, 15 years ago, he was showing up on American Idol with Kelly Clarkson and no. he was on, yeah, he was on the 2004 Toots and the Maytals, you know, uh, reunion record. Like he, he just played with everybody last fall. He was touring theaters with Johnny Depp. I mean, the yeah. guy, the guy does co- whatever he wants. 
they covered Lennon's isolation. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that was all a pandemic thing, I think. But like, it came out of a yeah. pandemic. The dude was just always up for a hang, and I think you know, with Johnny Depp, it was like they were in the same circles and they you know got in the same bubble or whatever, and that happened. And that was just sort of how his whole career was. It was way less about him at the front. But he okay, back to this Guns N' Roses story. Paris, nineteen ninety two. He flies to France to play with them at the Paris show. Really? He does. But he goes to rehearsal. And he stands too close to Sorum. And he goes Matt Sorum. Okay. He goes temporarily deaf from the sound check. Oh. Loses hearing. Uh depending on what you read, either cymbal or bass drum. Maybe both. Uh and I, I like I've never heard this on Matt Sorum's resume, but I feel like that should be on your resume. That you made the fifth best guitarist of all time go temporarily deaf. Like that should just yeah. be on your calling card. Brian, I forgot something to tell you. I forgot. What? Oh my gosh. In 89 or so, I saw the cult in Huntsville at whatever that place was called. And it was the cult, John Bonham's kid, Bonham, uh, when he had his first signal. And uh, I think Danger Danger was the opening act. And yeah. I caught a. I caught a drumstick at the end, and I caught Matt Sorum's drumstick. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Jeff Beck was on that bill. And I was like, no. oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I've forgotten all about that at some point I had like half of a Matt Sorum drumstick. Well, so if you want to see video, that's the video of the sound check exists. So like I guess pre his ear getting blown out, um, okay. you, can, you can find that in the show notes. I made sure that's there. Oh, uh, my gosh. We're going to watch Jeff Beck and Guns N' Roses. What are they playing? Um. Oh my God! I had it written down and I don't anymore. I don't oh, remember. I don't remember. It's okay. Careless Whisper is a great song. <laughs> yeah, I just I just covered that great part up by saying something obvious. Uh, Go ahead. Hold on. Hold on. It's uh, Locomotive. That's what they're playing. Locomotive. <gasps> what? Yeah. 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 That's in the show notes. Go check that out. Okay. So um, <laughs> let, let's talk a little bit about like the history of Beck and how he gets into the scene and all the people he's hanging out with from the very beginning. Uh, I mean, he takes Clapton's place in the Yardbirds. That's sort of how the adventure begins. Right. And it, it, it's funny because Clapton tells the Yardbirds when he quits, he gets disillusioned with them being too poppy, which is the funniest thing ever. And then he's like, here, call this guy that I know from session work. His name's Jimmy Page. Call him. And they call Jimmy Page. And Jimmy Page is like, I'm making tons of money doing session work. I don't want to I don't want to do anything else. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, but you start a band. Yeah, you can call Jeff Beck. You can call this guy Jeff Beck. And so they call Jeff Beck. Within two days of Clapton leaving, Beck's performing with them live. He's on stage with them in two days. Wow. And later, there's this whole thing where uh Beck gets sick. Uh, in in America, because he's British, so they go to America. They're in California. He gets sick. He has to recuperate. Page comes in to fill in on some shows on bass for some reason. Maybe those two things are unrelated. Anyway, Page comes in initially in the band on bass, which I think is hilarious, and then switches over. Oh, that's what it is. He comes in on bass to fill in, and then I think it's that Beck gets sick, and so he switches over to cover Beck on guitar, and when they bring him back they're like we're just gonna keep both these guitar players because this is crazy so there was a time where two of the greatest guitar players of all time were in the same band (laughs) playing off each other which is wild and then very quickly you get to the end of the 60s where jeff beck makes the jeff beck group and 
like, do you do you want to run down who's in the Jeff Beck group? Do you know off the top of your head that um, early formation? No, but go ahead. This uh, be fun. Ronnie Wood. Yeah. And Rod Stewart is doing vocals. Oh, yeah. yeah this yeah. is pre-Faces. This is before those two yeah. dudes join, you know, start that band. Yeah. Okay. So, and I remember I had, I had Beckola at one point. Oh, yeah. I so that's that. the second record. That's the second record. Yeah, okay. So I had that. And then, I don't know. I I didn't pay as much attention to Jeff Beck at that point. I'll be honest, because I love Faces. And I really got into Faces and then got into Rod Stewart. Well, so, so Peter Grant's their manager right perfect and he's, perfect he's known as the manager of led zeppelin now but he manages jeff beck group first and he has this plan to take them to america in 68 and in you know their british record label was not that passionate about them i mean they were fine they were making the money it was ever it was whatever this guy's pretty good at guitar we guess uh guess that rod stewart guy can sing but when they get to America, this is where things start to go right for them because Americans are very into this shit. And so they play the Fillmore East in New York on June 14th and 15th of 68. And this is like people popularly like typically say this is sort of where the Jeff Beck thing happens, right? Like this is where he becomes Jeff Beck. And what's funny about this is that they had planned like Peter Grant, I guess it just sold them a bill of goods in, in at the Fillmore and said, this is great. This is going to be a huge deal. These guys have never played America before. Clear your schedule. Give us the date. And so they do. And they get this band to open for them called the seven sons. But then the promoter gets really nervous. And so he books the grateful dead to play after them. After the, after, <laughs> after the, Beck the group? Jeff Beck group. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, I guess I'm freaking out, man. Yeah, okay. I guess that didn't really that wasn't necessary um, because uh, here, here's a quote uh, from from Jeff. Immediately when we hit the stage, people knew that there was no hanky panky, no hype, and they just took us in, and we felt we belonged in the American scene. And later, when we played the Fillmore West, we belonged to the San Francisco scene. Yeah. And he really is embedded in the story of rock and roll for the rest of the time. I mean, up up to you know this week when he died, like he's he's actively touring and playing and on people's records, and it, it, it's wild. Yeah. And and he toured with ZZ Top, I guess, last year. And if you hit YouTube, um, he'll jump on stage with ZZ Top, and what song? What song do they play? Like, do you want to hear Locomotive? No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no, they play Rough Boy. Oh wow! And and he play and so he's playing that he's playing that lick. So the the he's doing that, and it's you know it's a slow number, and it's like perfect um, for him too. You, you know but, you know what other formation of Jeff Beck's musical career we haven't mentioned? We just have to mention it because we are the one podcast on the internet that talks about this guy more than any other musician. Uh, he was in a band with uh, Carmine Apice. <laughs> right see, on. see how many times we can talk about that guy. Uh, he gets a lot of coverage on this show. Uh, but yeah, uh, Tim Bogert and Carmine Apice were in Vanilla Fudge, and then they start this band, Beck, Bogart, Apice. Um, and... Um, oh, bet that's right. Beck, yeah. Bogart, Apice. I saw that. I've never... Okay. Never That's heard them. that. That's them. They're on Epic Records. I mean, they were a big deal for a hot minute. 
it, and then there's like again it's all about collaboration like it's hard it's easier i think to tell you like here's somebody i'm pretty sure jeff beck never played with like i'm pretty sure he never played with nickelback but like other than that there's a good yeah. chance that he he showed up on july 3rd of 1973 he played on stage with david bowie to perform gene genie yeah, and that seems reasonable. It's very interesting for everyone listening that Brian has taken us at one point the locomotive Guns N' Roses thing, which I can't wait to watch, to freaking Kelly Clarkson on American Idol. Like, what? No, dude, check this out. Here's here's the even better one. So, you know the Miami Vice theme by Jan Hammer? Yeah, you know that Jan Hammer had a group, and and he they did a record. <laughs> A live record, Jeff Beck with the Yon Hammer Group in 1977. He's played with everyone, everyone, including Yon Hammer. The guy who did the do 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 That was my favorite thing. Also, here's here's you know the thing about British guys in the 70s: total tax exile, too, man. Yeah, yeah. He lived in the U.S. for a while. Yeah. God, when you read about you know, um, that's why. That's why when um, the Beatles did Re- Revolver, they put Taxman track one, mm-hmm. side one. Yeah. yeah, we talked about this, man. The Stones yeah. did it. They did it. It was, a, you know, that's the whole exile thing. All of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Je- Jeff Beck, legend. Uh, if you've got a Jeff Beck story, that email address, of course, is we are the story guys at gmail.com. We do need to talk about the other person we lost this week. Um, yeah, it, no, it's it's today for us. Like, yeah, yeah. It just happened. It's just, Lisa, Lisa Marie Presley died. And I guess it was like a trip to the hospital, cardiac arrest. And So they're, they're at this point are acting like they're not sure on what happened, but she's definitely you know, had some drug issues and stuff in the past. So I'm hoping sure. that's not what it was, but you know, she's been outspoken about that. She's been very upfront and, and been an advocate for um, folks fighting the battle against the opioid crisis in our country. And, but, you know, she, there's so much to say about her. And at the same time, like so little in terms of like how you capture it all. Right. I mean, she's right. Elvis's only child. Right. Who 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 made a couple of records and she she collaborated with Billy Corrigan, the guy from Pulp, and a bunch of other people too. You know, it's like music that was never. I feel I was telling Brian beforehand that I I felt bad. Like I watched that Elvis movie uh, so I could see that gorgeous man play Elvis, and then I was like, well, this is kind of BS. And then I watched The Searcher on HBO, and like what a fascinating uh thing and that you know elvis was a elvis didn't take the publishing like he it wasn't like he was out there writing the writing the songs he was an entertainer and so it makes it a little different for sure but um the impact that her dad had is like so significant it's like you know it was other than the beatles that was it really we have to think in terms of like that gravity but um, she married Michael Jackson. I was going to say, and then we she's, were alive. she's married then to one of the greatest pop musicians of another generation and married to the greatest actor of all time after she was married to Michael Jackson. She was married to Nicolas Cage for a hot minute. So oh, I thought you were going to say John Cusack. Right <laughs> I also love John Cusack. He's like number I, three. I, 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 I forgot all about 
that she w- she was married to Nicolas Cage. And man, that Nicolas Cage movie where he plays Nicolas Cage, where he has to go to the, birth- the birthday party yeah. to, for the the Mandalorian. The greatest movie of last year? Yeah, I think so. I think it was. That was yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, we, we, this, we could start the Nick Cage podcast. I've thought about it. It hasn't happened yet. My wife and I have had plans. But yeah, Nick Cage is the best. Uh, so, But also, I mean, she's got, she's got kids now being actors. And I just watched a movie with her daughter in it last week. Um, it's on Hulu. It's called Not Okay. I want to watch that now. So it's good. That's a good uh, thing. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's yeah, I enjoyed do it. You, Brian, do you think I'd like it? I don't, man. You like that Nicolas Cage movie, so <laughs> we at least agree on that. That's all I know. Yeah, <laughs> I watch a lot more dumb movies than you, so I don't really know that I can can vouch for your I, taste. It's not a documentary. I'll warn you. I, I will tell you tonight, and, and welcome for Inside Conversation, everyone. Other Brian tonight admitted to me that he had never seen Airplane. And I was like, surely, that's, we surely that's not true. And don't call me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> you walked right into it. All right, what Jeff Beck song were you going out on? I was going to say Train Kept a Rolling would be great. All right, here's here's Jeff Beck, Train Kept a Rolling live. It's Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories bonus episode. What do we do until next time? Keep telling stories.